Well, it's my privilege first to say Happy Mother's Day. Uh, we hope that all of our church family enjoyed receiving uh, our gift towards them. I really think it's great to have an opportunity to celebrate everything that is about motherhood. Uh, but it's important to say that for many, Mother's Day can be difficult. Mourning the loss of a mum through death or debilitating illness, maybe a mother that, that wasn't present or, or caused them harm. It's important that we're aware of this and, and don't look past it. Perhaps there's someone that you know today uh, that may have been affected in some such way. Uh, if you've not already, just take a moment, just to, just to think now, and at some point today, maybe to pray um, for them or, or even to, to reach out. Did you know there are more than 2 billion mothers on the planet? This means that almost 30% of the world's population, which is currently around 7.5 billion, is, is currently a mother. Uh, motherhood, uh, this tells me, obviously, is crucially important to everyone on the entire planet. Uh, believe it or not, everybody has a mum. 4.3 babies are born each and every second. In terms of nappy changes, by uh, the age of two, uh, you will have completed 7,300. Uh, for mums, it takes an average of two minutes and five seconds to change a nappy. Um, that equates, by the way, to three 40-hour working weeks every year. Uh, but for dads, woohoo, it's one minute, 36 seconds. <laughs> Uh, but in terms of attention that needs to be given, um, the, the average statistic suggests that once every four minutes, um, a preschooler needs a mother's attention. Uh, mums are amazing. Bonnie, my wife, she doesn't necessarily have the proverbial eyes in the back of the head, but she does have a spidey sense. She just knows <laughs> if stuff is cracking on with the kids, whether it's good or bad. Her instincts are amazing. It's like that well-known phrase, silence is golden unless you have kids, then silence is just suspicious and we've definitely learned that <laughs> with our two little ones but the capacity to do and learn and have fun is so much more and greater with mum around than not and that got me thinking about a well-known story about Jesus and the mother's heart of God but before we read that I, I think it's important to remember that the Bible does use images that illustrate that God carries an intense love for us like a mother in Isaiah, God says, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and, and have no compassion on the child that she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. See, I have pierced you on the palms of my hands. Just conjure up the image of someone out of love letting people take a hammer and drive a spike right into the palm of their hands. And we see this fulfilled in Jesus' resurrection and the story of Thomas who doubted. He refused to believe that Jesus had been raised from the dead until he had not just seen the holes in Jesus' hands, but had felt them for himself. Jesus says to Thomas, look at the palms of my hands. The fullness of that image of a mother's indestructible, unconditional love drives Jesus to be pinned to a cross in the ultimate act of love for you and for me. And it's more than just an argument for God's love for us, it's a deed, an irrevocable action that has been done for us and open to us all, no condition, no holes barred. It gives us a glimpse into the mother's heart of God and it's his relentless love and passion for us. In the book of Mark, we, we read a story of the rich man, a story that is also repeated in Luke and Matthew. Uh, Jesus has been teaching and traveling and suddenly a rich young man comes to him. It's in Mark 10. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, 
No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud and honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go, sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. This, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who, (laughs) who then can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Then Peter spoke up, we've left everything to follow you. Truly, I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields along with persecution and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. It's one of the most famous stories of Jesus, and it was that phrase, all things are possible with God, that got me going. The very being of God drives him in acts of love to bring us into a life of restoration and renewal. It doesn't matter who you are or what you've done or what you've believed, God comes, loves us, and says, follow me. There's always a cost to follow Jesus. For, for this young man, it was his worldly wealth. Uh, for me, it was my pride. That's, that's another story. For you, it might be something else. But the reward is awesome. A real relationship with God, eternal life together with him. All things truly are possible with God. All things are made possible and every provision is made for us to live a life to the full together with Jesus when we enter into that relationship and follow him. We don't have time to fully unpack this, but I want to quickly share with you about this in a kind of an individual context and then in a corporate community as well. Uh, For those of you who don't know, Bonnie and I bought a house that uh, needed totally renovating. Uh, Two years on and we're still going. (laughs) One of the next things that we want to do is our kitchen. And to anyone that has had a new kitchen put in, you know it can be quite expensive. Uh, We didn't have the money and it didn't look like that we would have the money anytime soon. So we decided that we would remortgage to make the funds available. So we went to the bank, we applied and we were flat out rejected. Uh, Basically, my credit score wasn't good enough, uh, which did totally baffle me. (laughs) I I had no outstanding credit card bills and no history of missed payments, etc, etc. And so I logged in online to look at my credit score and it was, it was just all over the place with no rhyme or reason as to why it would dip or go up, but it just kept trending downward. A month later though, I read a book that was recommended to me um, by someone uh, and it was talking about God's provision. And the author had these three things to say. He said, look to God as your sole source. Make sure that you give with faith. And thirdly, expect a miracle. And in all three counts, I was convicted 
uh, because for the kitchen, I'd been looking to the bank as our source, not God. Uh, we gave, uh, and we do give our tithe and our offering, but we had just been giving with no faith, just because we knew it was the right thing to do. And that is a good thing to do. And we certainly were not expecting a miracle. So in my car, <laughs> I repented and I said to God, I'd not been looking to him as my source. To my eyes, a remortgage was the only place that would be able to get the money. But God was the source of all, and he'd either make motions for the bank to release funds, or he would provide it another way. I activated faith on my part in our giving and asked God to release his blessing on us and I expected a miracle to happen. The next day, that's right, the next day, I checked my credit score and it had jumped 130 points, which took us way beyond the threshold for getting a remortgage. And a week later, somebody came to us and offered uh, to give us 50% of the cost of the kitchen. Our um, remortgage was accepted and we now have more than enough to do what we need to do to get the kitchen done. And that's just one story to demonstrate how all things are possible. That there is a cost. I had to trust God totally. I'd know that he would work a miracle. That was a painful experience for me. Uh, and it's an instance in our lives as to how God provides. Yet we run the danger so much of focusing on me and my particular world. Jesus came for the world and our eyes have to be much wider in our cries for help for our society and for our culture. How often have I read scripture and, and took it in a predominantly personal context? And it's good and it's important to do that. And yet out of the Bible, most of it is written to nations or to large communities. In fact, only five of the 66 books of the Bible are written to individuals. And there are some of the smallest books in the Bible. In fact, three of those are the shortest books of the Bible. God's mission, quite simply, is much bigger than the salvation of you and me. He intends for the restoration of the whole world. In all spheres of life, the themes of injustice, which talk of the society abusing its way to an uneven playing field, it rifles throughout the pages of the, of the Bible. From the days when Cain murdered Abel and his blood cried out from the ground, to, to the persecutions that the early church were facing. And in this passage we read in, in Mark, Jesus' heart is revealed for the vulnerable. Many who are first will be last, and the last first. You see, it's not about success in the eyes of the world, but in God's eyes. What, what is it that he wants me to do right here, right now, to bring his kingdom rule, to bring his taste of restoration? That the heart of God is revealed in his care for the vulnerable. And the litmus test for God's people as to whether they are carrying the heart of God is what are we doing to care for the vulnerable? In Jeremiah 22 verse 3, um, this is what the Lord says. Do what is just and right. Rescue from the hand of the oppressor the one who has been robbed. Do no wrong or violence to the foreigner, the fatherless or the widow. And do not shed blood, innocent blood in this place. And as Jesus announced the start of his ministry, he reads from the scroll of Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The justice of God is about restoring people to their proper place and identity in society. All people are created equal and deserve as such to be treated with love and dignity and compassion. A, a mother that 
finds great injustice taking place to a child will be uh, in, invariably heartbroken and will do all in her power to fix it. The, the bully at school or the abuse in society will inevitably lead the mother to confront the school or, or to campaign for change or in some other way. What does God do when confronted with the great injustice in the world? What does he do to see change take place? He goes to the greatest authority that has been instituted in the world. Here's what Paul writes uh, in Ephesians uh, when he's talking on the back of the power that God has invested in the followers of Jesus. That, That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. It's the church, the fullness of Christ. God has put in place everything that there needs to be to forever change the injustice in this world. He's called you and me and a billion other people to see it change. What will we do? to fight child poverty? What, what will we say in response to the innocent blood that cries out, spilt in war? What will we give to restore people to fullness that are battling with physical and mental illness? How will we rage against the slavery in the world? Will we see dawn arise to the darkness of famine? How, how do we rise to the abuses of open and structural racism? It's part of our calling to take on the responsibility of God's heart that we read earlier in Isaiah. You see, our greatest argument for the love of God is not demonstrated just by our words, and they are important, but by our deeds. We will find that our truth will not be heard till our grace is felt, because the greatest apologetic for the truth is love. Many of you may have seen in the news of a Burmese nun who in the face of a military coup and forces trying to control her local area, uh, willingly pled for her life to be taken instead of others. An outstanding act of love demonstrated by deed. Uh, Chances for us uh, that we're we're not going to get that opportunity in that same way. But every day presents us with an opportunity to move in love no matter how small it is. One person's kindness could be another person's miracle. Anne Frank once said, look at how a single candle can both defy and define the darkness. Evil's purpose is to obscure and destroy, but the light of Jesus in each one of us will prevail. There's no easy answer to these things, and that's okay, but we do this together one step at a time. We're we're not supposed to do this on our own, in our individual challenges or in a partnering with God for global restoration. The gift of the person of the Spirit is ours to receive as well as the gift of each person in the global church, you to me and me to you. So take some time today to celebrate and remember all that is good about our mothers. But let it inform and challenge us in God's heart to us and the world. Don't Don't miss an opportunity today to ask the Holy Spirit, what can we do to change the world?